This is the MyMac Podcasting Network. This week on Tech Fan, David and I have a heated discussion in which I kick his butt. Oh, no, you don't. I kick your butt. No, you did not kick my butt. I, I kicked kick, your butt. I kicked your butt. No, no, I kicked your butt. I kicked I kick your butt. And it's time for Tech Fan, as we like to do every week. My name is Tim Robertson, and I am joined via Skype by my uh, erstwhile partner, David Cohen. Hello. It's good to have you here, David. It's nice to be here. One of my highlights of my week doing this. It's absolutely one of my highlights as well. Um, You know, I, I, I can't help but read articles online and think, ooh, David and I should talk about that. And I'm too stupid to send a link to you, so at least one of us will have the capacity to remember. <laughs> yeah, we should we should probably do some kind of social media bookmarking thing or something so we can keep track of that. Uh, what I should really do is pay for the pro version of Evernote, and then we could use that. That would be awesome. I'll split it with you. I think you'd have to have your own version, actually. Right. Um... Before we get into the uh, topics of the day, David, I wanted to spend a few minutes here at the beginning of Tech Fan to uh, to bid a, a fond farewell and a welcome, kind of all at the same time. Now, anybody who's been listening to Tech Fan for any length of time or any other other shows in the MyMac Podcasting Network will recognize the very beginning of each show. It makes that little iPhone sounds, and it says, you're listening to the MyMac Podcasting Network. Yeah. And that's obviously my voice when we do that. I, I I recorded that in one take with the little sound effects and just called it good. And it's been okay. Uh, you know, I'm not complaining about it. But one of the things that we've wanted to do for a long time, and, and we've started to do so, was expand the network. Which sounds like a lovely plan, except... Our network is named after the after after mm-hmm. the the MyMac website. Yeah, it's also named after one of the shows in the network, and it has a very Apple Mac connotation to it, which I don't think really works, David. If we want to expand the network to non Mac shows, well, yeah, I mean, it, up until recently, a lot of the shows were very Apple centered and um it kind of still works but obviously the further you get away from that concept the less applicable it becomes absolutely and as such i figured it was time to if we're serious about doing a lot of different shows a lot of diverse shows it's time to diversify the network and that starts at the name it can't be the my mac podcasting network anymore so yeah. this will be the last time that you'll hear that bumper at the beginning of Tech Fan. Starting with episode 57, you're going to hear a new bumper, which quite honestly hasn't been recorded yet. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll have something within the next week or so. Yeah, don't, don't sweat the details. No. <laughs> the, uh, the new network, which for all intents and purposes doesn't change any of the shows in the network at all. 
The only difference you're going to hear is that bumper at the beginning. That's it. That's the only difference. And all we're really doing, David, is creating a network based off the network we currently have. Think about it as simply a name change. So It's like a rebrand. It's like rebranding, absolutely. And it's not going to affect the shows at all. But it's going to allow other shows that's not Mac-related at all to join the network and not feel like, hey, we're talking about Linux on our show, or we're talking about the Kindle Fire. That's our focus. Why would we want to be in a Mac network? That It just doesn't make any sense. So the new network is called the Stoplight Network. Uh, there's a website for it, stoplightnetwork.com. If uh, you're an aspiring podcaster or an established podcaster and have thought about, well, maybe I should join a network, what's it all about, what's in it for me, go to stoplightnetwork.com, and there's a, uh, I guess there's a description. If you're a podcaster and you like to join the network, it'll give you all the details. If you're an advertiser, if you've got a product that you want to reach a large audience, there's also a tab for that. You can click that and learn much more about the network. So... I'm looking forward to it, David. It's, it's going to be kind of a fresh, different start. It's uh, not really going to change anything on a daily basis as far as the podcast that we're currently producing is concerned. But by the same token, it's uh, it's going to be different. Well, it's yeah, it's going to broaden the appeal a little bit. And uh, hopefully over time we will get different shows talking about different things. And um, you know that, that will be interesting. And, of course, the commonality is these are shows that we enjoy. I'm, you know, not just anybody can join the network. It's got to be a quality product. However, if you're yeah. someone that hasn't ever podcasted and want to get your start, we can help you there, too. We'll take a chance on an unknown just getting started. Yeah, and, and don't... <laughs> Don't, I mean, we, we, we must try not to put anybody off. If anybody has a has a real urge to do a podcast, I don't know about the Kardashians, then, uh, you know, pitch that to us. And, and if it has the right... When, I, when we say, oh, it's going to be something we like, that doesn't mean that we're going to say, no, that's, that, that topic sucks. Well, we were. I was seriously thinking about uh, approaching the Kardashians and doing a uh, best marriage type of show. You know, yeah, they seem yeah. to be very good at getting married and making it work a long time. So, oh wait yes. a minute. <laughs> so I've never understood that thing with with uh, it's a Hollywood thing, isn't it? It's why you know you get together with somebody, so you got to get married straight away. Well, well, why don't they just live together for a bit and find out when they get along before they go down the whole marriage route? I, you know, and I just saw in the news today, Demi Moore and Ashton Kosher is getting a divorce. Oh my God! It's the end of the world. Uh, you know, we we as a society, Western society, anyways, we seem to have this insatiable desire to learn everything there is to know about our celebrities' personal lives, who they're married to, who they're sleeping with, how many kids they're adopting from Africa. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. It really is. And yet there's so many real-world problems that are completely swept under the carpet, not in the public consciousness at all. You know, yeah. it's kind of sad. There's a there's a song by a band called Bowling for Soup called yep. High School Never Ends. Yes. Which, which is all very much about that. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> anyways, we're, yeah. Let's get back on topic to 
what we do best, David, and let's talk about technology. And uh, I guess we're starting at the Kindle Fire this week. Yeah, I mean it's it's hit the uh, it's it's in people's hands. The reviews are out, and um, well, I, I mean as I mentioned last week, I haven't got one yet. Um, I nor have I. It, but, um, but and so I, I obviously I you know, not having ever touched one. I have no. I I don't feel I'm remotely qualified to say whether it's good or bad. But what I was really kind of um, ticked off about was so many of the reviews of it I read basically trashed it because it's not as good as an iPad. And I'm thinking, you know, what are these guys smoking? Of course it's not as good as an iPad. It's 40% the cost of an iPad. And it's not designed to be an iPad. It's designed to be something else. So why even... Why even uh, obviously, the, the iPad's the big tablet in the market, so you've got to make some reference to it. But why do a straight-up comparison and say, oh, well, it's no way good as an iPad, so go out and buy an iPad instead of this? I just didn't get it. I can sympathize both ways. The tablet fire is being marketed as a tablet, as is the iPad. So in that regard, you have to compare it to what's already out there. And the Android devices, for the most part, have been just crap. So if you come out with something, how does it compare with the best in class? Uh, especially in such a new market as tablets. But it, yes, I can see your point there. Um, obviously, they are effectively broadly similar devices, but that's kind of like comparing a Honda Accord with a with a Ferrari. They are both cars, and yet one is designed to do things that the other is never designed to do. So to mark down the Honda because it it doesn't perform like a Ferrari is kind of a specious argument. It doesn't make any sense. It does because this is such a new industry, David. Your your comparison of a Honda and a Ferrari is a very mature market. It's very diverse. That's not true with tablets. Um, and when you look at what they do, you can read books on them. So if you compare that to reading books on a regular Kindle and an iPad from the reviews I'm reading, it falls short on both accounts. Yeah. It, it plays games. So does the iPad. It falls down in comparison to the iPad. You can read magazines just like you can an iPad, and it falls down there. The responsiveness of the user interface is clunky. It doesn't always read uh, your input. Um, it's sluggish, so when you click something, you don't know if it didn't read it or it's just going to do it in the next yeah. few seconds. It does it just like the iPad. So it is fair to compare it to the best in class. Now, if they both came out the same time, no, you really can't compare it. But the Kindle Fire, you would think, having two years more development time than the iPad, the iPad's already been out there for two years, How does it compare to a mature product that's already out there? And even if you didn't want to compare it to the mature product, just the first-generation iPad when it first came out before all the software updates, it doesn't even compare favorably to that, David. It's not like the people at Amazon didn't know anything about the iPad. Yeah, and and, and I, I can accept that, and I think that's a valid criticism. I think clearly this is another instance where the kind of the software polish that's applied to the device just isn't mature enough 
I, who knows at this point whether that is something that Amazon's going to be able to fix over time or whether it's just, you know, a poor execution. And, um, you know, there, there are other reasons that, that mean it doesn't work so well. But what, what kind of ticked me was just really the fact that functionally, I think I feel that the, the fire is coming from a different place than the iPad. The fire is effectively a, a Kindle, an ebook Kindle turned into a tablet, which means it's coming from, well, this is Kindle Plus. So now it's a Kindle Plus. It can play video. Now it's a Kindle Plus. It can browse the web properly. Whereas the the um, uh, iPad was so much more aspirational in terms of what it wanted to be, um, and then it was executed much better as well. See, but I, I still I don't I don't agree with you. I think they took the idea of a Kindle and they want to make a Kindle iPad. That's what they wanted to do, and that's what the fire is. They they looked at the success, and let's be honest, Amazon sells. A whole lot of iPads, okay? They yeah. know what the sales figures are better than we do. They looked at what the, the the success of the iPad and they said, Well, we want a Kindle that competes in that market. Look how much money that market makes. Their answer was the fire. And yeah. we could talk about and I would love to, especially once I get my hands on one, but I'm debating whether I actually want one at this point, to be honest. Um I want one. I just don't know if I want to pay for one. Let me, yeah. let me put it that way. Um, a sluggish interface, uh, not ready for prime time. They're selling this thing. If I'm going to pay two hundred dollars, it better not crash all the time, like the reports that I'm reading. Yeah, and and I will quite happily take that on board and say that is poor execution. Definitely, I, I don't. It's not like I'm saying that it deserves a pass and that, you know, it should be reviewed favorably just because it's different. I'm not trying to say that at all. What, what I just don't understand is, is, is how so many people are saying, oh, well, it's, it's, the iPad is, is much better, so you should buy an iPad, when the point is the iPad is, is $300 more. But is to it me, a $300 better device? And well, so far well, yeah, all the I, reviews are yes. I, I'm just coming back to the, I remember when the iPad first came out, uh, and, and for a little bit before the iPad came out, there were a lot of people saying, oh, the iPad, because it's a tablet, it's just a consumption device. Yep. That's all it is. Uh, and then people would say, $500 for a consumption device? That's crazy. Yep. Right? Now, here's a consumption device, in my view, there's $200. That sounds to me like the right sort of price for a consumption device, because I believe the iPad is much more than a consumption device. I, I think agree. It's ca- it's, I, I think the iPad is kind of like a proper computer and the Kindle, the Kindle Fire really isn't. It is designed for, first and foremost to be a consumption device. But that's and only your, uh, that's your perception that's, that's, of it. That's my perception, but that's, right. that's from the, market, the way it was marketed and everything, that's, that was what I took it to be. Now, maybe I'm putting my own bias on that. I don't know. Um, but but I, I feel that if you come at it from that place... That the the tone of review would be very different than so a lot of them, a lot of the reviews I've read immediately start with and then finish with well it's not an iPad you know what and the iPad is so much more than this so this is a piece of junk um, and I and I just don't I I don't think that's fair because I think that's fair for something like an Android tablet that is meant to be 
a kind of a similar use case to, as the iPad is, but I think this is really meant to be a portal to Amazon. And while the, the interface and the the uh, software, the, the way the software interacts with the user obviously needs some work, I think as a portal to Amazon, it probably is not being rated, uh, you know, as as that. It's being rated as an iPad competitor, which I don't think is is really what they're about. And but see, I would disagree because the Kindle Fire does not exist in a vacuum it exists in the world of android tablets and the ipad and regardless of whether amazon meant it to be a tablet or simply a amazon content distribution device Mm -hmm. a consumption device what their intentions is immaterial it really is because at the end of the day, where are the people that's looking at buying these things? Where are the people that's going to tell other people, being in the media, whether it's worth buying or not? And if the perception out there is this is yet another tablet, you have to compare it. Look, it plays movies, so do the other tablets. It reads ebooks, just like the other tablets. It plays games, just like the other tablets. Uh, right. It plays music just like the other tablets. Okay. It's got a very similar form factor. It's basically a piece of glass, right? With, okay. With yeah. plastic or metal on the bottom. So the form factor and all the things you do with it are exactly the same things that you do with an iPad. It's exactly the same things you do with a Galaxy Tab, right? Yeah. So why don't we? Why why is it unfair to compare it to those things? Well, I. <laughs> I think again. I think you make some valid points there. My my argument would be: if you are going to compare it to other tablets, you should be comparing it to the other Android tablets. No, why? Same sort of price points. Why? Because it's, Should, shouldn't the iPad then? In, in your argument, shouldn't the iPad at that point be marked down because it's so much more money? Well, I think a lot of people do mark it down when they review it because it's so much more money. Doesn't seem to be reflected in the sales numbers. Oh well, I think I think the sales numbers and the way people, the market responds to reviews is a separate argument. Um, I agree. I, I, I actually think that uh, you know bad reviews for the Kindle Fire are uh, not going to slow its sales down whatsoever. I think when it comes to buying tablets this Christmas, people are going to say, "Can I afford an iPad?" No, then I'm going to buy a Kindle Fire. I don't. I don't. I think that's the only the only argument. Ninety five percent of people thinking about buying a tablet is are going to have internally with themselves. And I think it would be more useful. Uh, going back to what I was just saying, for in some of these reviews to say, to say, well, okay, it's not as good as an iPad, but you, but what is it? How does it compare to an Android tablet at a similar or slightly more expensive price point? And no, none of the reviews I've read have even addressed that question. Again, that's because. Everybody's buying iPads. Very few are buying Android tablets. But so, I think they're failing. I think they're failing to reflect the fact that that people, some people, are buying want to buy a tablet and are saying, "I don't have the money for an iPad." So, is this something I should buy? And I'm not sure some of those uh, reviews really answer that question. You're probably right. And if you only compared it to similarly priced Android tablets, it would probably come out quite well. Except for the fact that it's buggy, it crashes, and it's, well, it seems like a piece of crap. <laughs> well, I mean, everything as, I'm as reading, as, it, it yeah, looks I, like yet another Android tablet. Amazon really well, didn't do anything special with it. They just think, slapped a different, a slightly different UI, and, it, and it's suffering from the same problems that the other Android tablets 
which is just it's an inferior interface. It just doesn't work the way it should. And I think that that brings a, a wider question that, that I'd also like to ask. Let's move on from you know the reviews of the Kindle Fire. As I say, I think ultimately, yeah, because um, I'm success- kicking your butt in this argument. <laughs> oh. oh yeah, right. Um, I, I think um, I think its its success or failure is 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 in many ways independent of its reviews. Uh, I'm looking. Oh, that's, that's that's obvious. I mean, yeah. and, I, I don't- and, and I think for anybody going to Amazon's site looking to buy one, they're going to look at the customer reviews, and you know what? The lowest review they have on there is the three star most critical uh, and the highest reviews are four or five stars and i think that, that that's what's going to drive most people's buying I, let, let, i'll be i'll be quite honest with you david i don't think the fire is going to be a failure i think it's going to be no. a success and my fear is amazon's going to look at these sales numbers and say we have a great success here and they're going to rest on their laurels you're not going to see a lot of these real problems addressed because it's a big seller I hope I'm wrong. I, I I think that Amazon's got a strong track rate. If you look at the original Kindle, it had a lot of flaws, and they've refined those away over time. I'm sure they will do this with this as as much as they can. But here's my other question that I, that I'd like to talk about you, and maybe we'll, we'll talk about this after a break. But is Android fundamentally flawed for this sort of device? Is it effectively the Flash, the mobile Flash? of tablet operating systems because it seems like nobody can bring out an Android tablet that's capable of performing in that kind of smooth, liquid way that the iPad interface does. And is, is Android being the common thing underneath the problem there? Well, let's talk about that after the break. Hey, Guy, have you heard about Not Another Mac Podcast? Oh, not another Mac Podcast. Yeah, so you've heard of it then. Heard of what? Not Another Mac Podcast. Gaz, you keep repeating yourself. I'm just telling you the name of the show. No, you don't. You keep telling me about Not Another Mac Podcast. Yep, that's the one. What's the one? Not Another Mac Podcast. Gaz, you nitwit Brit, have have you been drinking? No, you big yank tank. Listen. Not Another Mac Podcast is a roundtable discussion with Mac users and experts from all over the world. Hey, Gaz, we've been on that podcast. Are we experts now? Oh, brother. So, who's on first? What's on second? Third base. Not Another Mac Podcast is part of the My Mac Podcasting Network. You can find us in iTunes by searching for Not Another Mac Podcast or get it through the My Mac Potpourri Podcast feed. So, David, we're back here on Tech Fan number 56. Uh, he's David Cohen. I'm Tim Robertson. We're talking about tablets, specifically Android. And, David, you brought up a really good question. Is Android the core flaw in the tablet market out there? Is it lacking the polish that the iOS has? And if so, what's the solution? Is the solution a different OS? Is it Google making it a better OS over time? And if so, what the hell's taking them so long? Um, yeah. Is this? Do you think it would be a great time for HP to re-enter the market, maybe with the uh, WebOS because they haven't made any decisions there? Do you think that RIM has any chance in hell of making the Playbook uh, a better device? Um, but let's start with: Is in fact Android the new Flash, i.e., it's fundam- fundamentally flawed 
and its ability to work smoothly and effectively and deliver a decent user experience. What do you think? Uh, uh, well, let's just put that in context. The reason we, we make that analogy with Flash is that Adobe just recently announced they weren't going to develop mobile Flash anymore. After, My- after two years of rigorously defending it and attacking Apple for not including it in iOS and, and right. coming out and saying Flash's you know, it's not the true web without Flash. Flash, rah, rah, rah. Oh, we're not going to develop anymore. Whereas Apple always said the reason we don't support Flash is because it's buggy, it's slow. It's a kludgy it's piece of crap that it eats your battery yeah, life. Exactly. It's, it's junk. It's, it's no. technology from a web um, that was 10 years ago, and it should have died a long time ago. And Adobe has done and- nothing to improve it. Exactly, and I, and I think that's that's where I'm drawing the analogy with Android. Is that um, is it the question is is it by its by its very nature kludgy, um, difficult to use, and and really impossible to turn out something that's comparable with the the monster in the market, which is the iPad and the iOS, and and, and I have to wonder because so many people have tried this now, all sorts of different companies with different form factors, different hardware specs underneath. Uh, and I think everyone was kind of expecting because Amazon was going to so much bury Android, so it's just literally the core underneath, but put their own interface over the top that that you wouldn't have any of these uh, interface responsiveness problems. And yet it's one of the main criticisms of the fire is that sometimes you touch something and you don't know whether you've touched it. Sometimes you, you miss scrolling through things because it's too sensitive. And these are common um, complaints about Android tablets that, that effectively the, the way they interact with the user, which is vital in something that is literally you know, a glowing piece of glass, um, just isn't up to the job. And, and I'm starting to wonder whether fundamentally Android is, is broken in that respect. It seems to me, and I think that a lot of the problem is Google is being run uh, by engineers, not designers. Now, there's always been that marketing drives products, and then there's been, well, engineering drives products, and then it's been, well, design drives products. Now, the genius of Steve Jobs... Uh, whether whatever you think of him personally, putting all that to the side, the Steve the Steve Jobs' greatness came from making, forcing just through his authority and force of will, engineering to work with design, design to work with marketing. That here's what they want to do. This is what they build. The engineers come back and say we can't do it that way. The designers say, yes, this, but it has to be this way, otherwise it's going to be crap. They take it to the leader, Steve Jobs, and he comes back and tells engineering, yes, this is, it has to fit this form factor. They say it's impossible, but yet somehow they end up doing it. Um, yep. That's the genius of the guy. There's nobody that I've seen anyways in the Android place, in, the, in, in Google, in, the and, in, in place at Google running the Android division that says, yes, I know you said it's impossible. Make it happen anyways. Because if you can't, we'll find people who can. There's a lot of programmers out there. There's a lot of engineers out there. This is the way it has to be. Stop making excuses because the way it is right now is crap. Make it better. Yeah. That's simply not happening. It, no, and and it's not it's not that's not purely an engineering problem. That's just a quality control problem. That's a a, a refusal to compromise until it's right. You know, engineers are perfectly capable of of turning out 
you know, truly beautiful code, Absolutely. machines, you know, things that are that are aesthetically beautiful and function well as well as being purely functional. You know, you look at um, so you know some of the engineering classics in terms of oh, in terms it's of machines and everything like that. You know, there are engineers who who will not compromise until they get engineering perfection. I think the problem is within the Android division at Google. There's a whole lot of people who don't seem to want to get to that. No, they 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 get to a certain point and they're like, okay, at worst that's good enough. So let's yeah, move on enough. to the next thing. Yeah. Well, it's not the, good the, enough. The question is, is that constraint then deciding that it's done enough or is there a, is there actually something more fundamental going on? You've got to remember when Android was first was first uh, appeared on the scene, it didn't look anything like I mean, this is one of the things that um, Steve Jobs was so obsessed about when Google started developing Android for phones, because he felt. They well, remember, were tough well, remember they bought Android. They, yeah, but when it when they first bought it, it looked like BlackBerry. Yes, I mean that's kind of what it was designed to do. It wasn't ever designed to do what it's doing now. And and the question in my mind is whether fundamentally at the core of it, it just can't. I think it Maybe can it, because it is doing those things, and at the end of the day, it's just code. So, the Android of today is probably has very little under the hood in common with the Android of 2006 when they purchased it. That being said, scrolling, touching something on the screen, responsiveness, it, it can already do those things, except it does it, well, like crap. Yeah. So... I think fundamentally, good enough is good enough at Google. I think that's kind of their mentality. And it's reflected in Gmail. It's reflected in their online work tools, their spreadsheets, and their uh, word processing apps. It's reflected in Google+. It's reflected in the phones that they've released. It's, it's good enough. It's not great. Nothing yeah. that Google does is great. They make decent stuff, but they don't make great stuff. And that's because good enough at Google is just good enough. Because at the end of the day, I think the core of Google is an advertising company. They want to push ads in front of people because that's how they make their money. So they make something that's good enough that people are going to use. When's the last time they've really updated and made Gmail better? When's the last time oh, they, they did that with their online work tools? Well, they, yeah, they changed Gmail a lot. I've, changed it, but did they make it better? Well, as I say, the latest up, interface updates to me makes it worse. I think it's horrible. Now, when's the last time you saw that kind of mentality from Apple? Well, this is good enough. Well, some people would say ping was a, was a problem. Uh, mobile yeah. me was a problem. They made something good enough, and they never yeah, some, went back and reiterated and made it better. Some people are complaining that iCloud is, uh, in some ways, like that too. I would say that so far iTunes match it. it I subscribed on the very first day, and it has yet to work for me. Yeah, I can't get past the first stage of iTunes match. It just doesn't do anything, and it just eventually times out. And yeah, we're done. We'll try it again later. And, you know, it's frustrating because it only cost me 25 bucks. And I'll be honest, I, I spent more than that for cigarettes in three days. You still there? Yeah. Okay. 
Um, but for the most part, Apple's one of those companies that reiterate, make it better, make it silky smooth, make it more desirable. And Google's a type of company, as is Microsoft, that makes a good enough product. It gets to uh, a lot of people quickly. And they don't reiterate, at least yeah. not, not the way they should. Because there's no driving force. There's no culture in these companies that say, we have to make it great. This is what we're doing right now. I know it was good enough before, but this is shit. We have to make it better. This isn't good enough. Give me something better. You, you always wonder, actually, uh, and, and I suppose what happened with the HP touchpad and WebOS is a is a demonstration of this. You almost wonder whether there's a, a mentality which is almost defeatist. It's like, well, we're never going to be as good as Apple, so there's no point putting the engineering resource and effort in to try. So get it good enough and then move on. I think because that that's an that- epidemic problem, David. I think you're absolutely... Yeah. I think this is a, a massive problem in a lot of different markets. It's absolutely in the tablets, absolutely in, in laptops and desktops. They know they're not as good as Apple, so they make it good enough. Yeah. I think you hit it right on the uh, right on the head there, man. I yeah. really do. I think that is... We're, we're not going to be as good as Apple, so why bother? Yeah. When you could be better. Well, exactly. <laughs> Let's face it, Apple's been through some pretty bad times, and they nearly disappeared completely off the map. And that sort of defeatist attitude would have ended up with them in bankruptcy. And it was one man who turned it around. And it was yeah. Steve Jobs. He was in charge, and he wasn't going to take good enough. He wanted yeah. insanely great. His yeah. attention to detail was second to none. Now, obviously, that kind of made him an asshole in a lot of people's opinion. Probably justifiably so. If you worked for him, he'd probably drive you freaking crazy. But you know what? He got results at the end of the day. And we're not getting results from Google. We're not getting results from Microsoft. Sony is all but given up. I mean, yeah. some of these companies... So, dude, Sony in the 80s was the company to to, to look at for innovation. Yeah. It was never good enough. Their next version was better on every product they made in the 80s. Yeah. They they stride for perfection. I mean, that was the the whole kind of the Japanese mentality back in the eighties. Remember? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It was no compromise. No compromise. What what happened to that? Everybody compromises now, except it seems Apple. I mean, well, uh, well, that, that, I think that to be honest, the, the trick at Apple is not so much that they don't compromise; it's just they they know where to, where to compromise and where not to. You know, I, th- I think you can find compromises in their products, but the compromises they make normally pan out. Um, you know, and they don't like, follow the leader. They don't. Yeah, they don't think, go yeah. after another market and go, "Oh, let's do this," yeah. because they're somebody else is showing success. Yeah. Things like you know, things they've been criticised before, like sealed in batteries, and you know, all of that sort of stuff. Oh, they don't have all slot. They don't have USB and all those sort of things. These are things they they refuse to compromise on because they don't consider them to be important. Um, and you know, <laughs> funnily enough, after all the fuss over sealed in batteries with the uh, with the MacBook Pros and the MacBooks, which, which way is the industry moving now? Everyone's going to sealed in batteries. Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, once again. Everybody is playing follow the leader. And I would really like 
especially at a company, say, I'm, I'm just going to say HP, that had a very long tradition of innovative products. They were a leader in the industry. And they got leadership in there that just said, good enough is good enough. And I'm really only concerned about you know the fiscal results for this quarter and how that's going to be reflected on Wall Street. And I think the fun, fundamental flaw there is these companies are being run by strictly businessmen and women who don't have a love for great products. Because, and I told someone this the other day, and I've read it, ideas don't mean crap. Execution is the only thing that matters. Yeah. You know, there's no value in an idea. A great, great artist ship. There you go. <laughs> and You know, you've got to be able to, to actually turn it out the door. That's right. And I was looking at the original Macintosh uh, two days ago when I was in Chicago because I've got my, well, I've got one of my uh, 128Ks, the original Macintosh. And I was looking at it, and I noticed, and it's, this has always escaped me, it says Macintosh on the back of the device, mm. and it has the colorful Apple logo. This is the back of the computer. And it just reminded me of how much attention to detail that first machine got. Well, I can give you another example of that. I actually, um, at lunchtime today, was class- was carrying an SE30 in from my car. I bought a few classic Macs uh, a few months back, and I paid peanuts for them, and half of them don't work. They need a bit of tidying up. But I've got one SE30 that actually works fine. And got to be honest, since Steve, Steve Jobs died, demand for those has gone through the roof. Yep. I paid £30 for three of these things, and I just sold one yesterday for over £100. Crazy. A working one, yeah. But the thing is, when I picked it up for my car, because I'm going to box it up and, and ship it out on Monday... The uh, the compact Macs, the SE30s, and, and all the other kind of beige little box Macs have a handle on the top that allows you to pick them up and carry them under your arm. Yeah, it made them more approachable. Yeah. It made them more friendly. And, and back in the 80s, of course, this also meant that they were, because they were small, they were somewhat portable back in the time when computers weren't really portable. Um, but the thing is, I did notice when I picked it up, when you put your hand underneath that little... Um, ledge in the top to pick it up. The inside of the, the underneath of the case has a little raised area with a set of two lines in to give you some grip. Yep. Now, and I picked up, I thought most manufacturers would have left that and uncomfortable thinking, well, people are only going to pick it up occasionally, not really going to carry it around a lot. And if they do, they're going to put it in a bag or something like this. They would have just had a bare plastic thing in there for you to put your fingers in. Apple had the attention to detail to say, let's make sure that there's, that it's grippy and comfortable under there for somebody who's carrying it with their fingers. And that was a direct result of Steve Jobs. In fact, those little portable Macs were the last desktop Macs to have a handle on them for carrying until, guess what product? The iMac. The iMac, And the yeah. engineer said, no, this, this, that's going to be very difficult to do, and it's going to absolutely add to the cost. Manufacturing-wise, it's going to be a pain in the ass. Weak point in the case. Yep. And you know what? They still did it. Why? Because the leader said this has to be done. And it was something that most people overlooked. Most people that got that original iMac didn't didn't really pay attention to that little handle, but everybody used it. I I tell you, it's a crucial design 
point of those machines because the shape of them makes them actually very difficult to carry and they're heavy. Yep. The fact that you've got an easy-to-pick-up handle at the top makes it very easy if you've got lots of them to move them around. And, of course, they were very big in schools. That would have been one of the reasons. Yep. And... It's the and again that goes to the attention to detail. It's not good enough. We have to make it better. I'll be honest with you, David. Um, there's times that I say it's not good enough. Make it better. And there's also times that I say it's good enough. Let's keep going. Um, but that's simply a a matter of I don't have forty hours. I've got you know realistically three different jobs. I'm the yeah. I do the max specialist thing. That's how I make ninety nine percent of my earnings. I do the mymac dot com stuff, getting reviews edited and posted and formatted correctly, and communicating with the staff and doing all the the back end stuff on the website, which includes design and all that, and dealing with advertisers. And then I do this podcast and the whole and this whole stoplight network now, which. Any one of those three things could be a full-time job and should take up the vast majority of my thought process. But yet, I do all three, and oh, by the way, I have four kids, and oh, by the way, I'm married, and I have two dogs, and I, you know, I, I read a lot, and I play video games, and I watch television and movies, and I still have time to do all that stuff, so I have to compartmentalize myself. And that means quite honestly, that not one of those things are ever going to get 100% of my time because it, they simply can't. So none of them are going to be insanely great because you only get to that point, David, when that is basically 100% of your thought process and your time. And most of us can't do that. We have families. Yeah. You know? But... That being said, if you're if you're working at a place, you shouldn't be on your Facebook page. You shouldn't be texting your wife or your husband. 100% of your time should be on the job to make the business insanely great. And a company like HP needs to instill that mentality. A company like Microsoft and Google and Amazon needs to instill that type of mentality. We want insanely great products that we don't care what the competition's doing. We're going to make it the way we think it should be made. We're not going to compromise, and it's going to be great. And if more companies took that attitude, I think we'd get a lot better Android tablets, a lot better phones, a lot better computers outside the Apple universe. Yeah, and, and also I think just looking at their balance sheets and their stock performance and their, you know, their, their shareholders, would, not, would it not be better to be CEO of someone like, someone like HP and say, yeah, we tried this and it didn't succeed and it failed, but you know what? It was still good work. It was a good product. Rather than stand up as, as the... Yeah, we did this, and we did it in a half-assed way, and we burnt a whole load of money, and the thing failed. And you know what? Maybe if we tried harder, it wouldn't have worked out like that. Because the end result is still the same. They lost money. 
but you know what? I know which one. I know which company I'd rather be in. The one where they could stand their head, hold their hands up high, and said, "Well, we tried. We might fail, but we tried, and we know it was good work." And stop trying to copy everybody else's ideas. Yeah, yeah. Let's. How about some originality? Well, look, look at I want something else. I've got more to say. The Ultrabooks. Yeah, which is uh, which is in the Intel. It's a bit unclear whether it's a real specification, but certainly it's a, it's an attempt by the Intel uh, driving the PC industry to produce PCs that are similar to the MacBook Air. They are um, meant to be very thin, very light, uh, very portable, um, around about $1,000. You know, so kind of very much, you know, running SSDs, no optical drives, kind of like the, the MacBook Air. Every single one of these things I've seen reviewed for, so far has said that they are rubbish. Yep. That they have, they have, they have bad keyboards, or they have bad screens, or they have lousy battery life, or they have fans that that are running all the time, or um, any combination of those kind of four or five different factors. And you're thinking, what is wrong with these people? It's it's, it's tablets all over again. Here's a good product that's executed well, and rather than innovating on the back of that, they're just trying to ape it and badly, and they cost more than a MacBook Air. And they're nowhere near as good. What the, what the hell's the point? What a waste of energy and time and money. But at least Intel's trying to push that industry forward. you got to give Intel credit for that, if nothing else. Yeah. That's fair enough. But, you know, Intel's, Intel obviously wants to sell more chipsets, so the more PCs there are, the better for them. Yeah. But the, the, problem, the problem with the Ultrabooks is that these things are... Um, they're not as good as a MacBook Air, and they're competing within their own PC market against... Four hundred, five hundred dollar laptops that absolutely kick the ass of these things. Yeah, yeah, it's a sad state of affairs, and it, you know, once again, there's nobody else out there leading the charge that this is the way it should be. I personally, I remember a couple years ago there was a uh, a laptop computer that the screen would come off, and now it's a tablet. I still think that's a brilliant idea, being able to take your tablet and turning it into your desktop, but. No, no, not happening at all now. It's kind of sad. And that would be the perfect foil. If I was a PC company, let's say HP, and I owned, uh, obviously, the uh, the touchpad, I, yeah. would, I would turn the touchpad into a dual OS device. When you pull off the screen, it's running uh, WebOS. When you put it back in its dock, it's, it's Windows 8. Or Windows yeah. 7 or whatever. But yet, the two OSs still talk to each other, so you could share files, and it's seamless to the consumer. And you make you make it a great product. You make the, the tablet itself simply fantastic. And you make the desktop portion of it awesome. Yeah, and you only sell one version, which has That's everything right. you need. Yeah, unlike the way the PC industry normally does it, which it says, well... You can buy one which is just a tablet, or you can buy it with a keyboard, or you can buy the tablet and then have the keyboard after, um, and then you can buy proprietary this, and, you know... There's 20 different iterations of it. Exactly, yeah. You can buy one with Android, and you buy one with WebOS, or you buy one with Windows. You know, that would be the way that they would do that, and they would screw it up. Yep. Yep. One product, this is what it is. It all comes together. You want our tablet? Well, it's part of this thing. And that's it. That's our product. But the chances of that actually happening? Nil. Why? Lack of leadership. 
I, and to me, that's what it comes down to. The entire yeah. the entire PC industry is lacking a lack of leadership. They don't have it. Now, I'm not saying everybody is Bill Gates or Steve Jobs, but is there anybody out there that just says this isn't good enough? This is rubbish, and I'm I'm stopping this product and project now. We're going to get back on track, and we're going to make it better. And the whole company is going to get behind this. It's not this division and that division and this division and that division. It's one company, and we all work for the same goal. It doesn't even need to be the guy at the top. That's right. You can be. No, it does need to be at the guy at the top. It no, does. well, no, to, because the point if is, is it, every 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 guy at the top who's like that started lower down, right? Very few people come in like Steve Jobs and uh, kind of found the company and then go on from there, right? There are plenty of people who work their way up through the industry by being like that. You know, the guy who invented the, who who developed the PC for IBM, you know, way back in the day, he was just an engineer, but he decided he was going to do something. You know, he was going to do something that the IBM didn't think was possible, and he made it happen. He was just like a, a middle-level uh, project leader, yes. project engineer. Now, if you, you can be at that level and still decide you're not going to but, compromise but if you have, for your design. If you have great leadership that will back you up, that again, it goes back to leadership, David. You yeah. do have to have that guy or that woman yeah. at the top of the organization that sees that kind of effort that sees the potential fruits of that labor and nourishes it and gets all the other, and this is the problem, the other divisions who are only worried about their own little bottom line in that division and their own little power and their own little influence and get them all to work together. So again, yeah, he did that, but he did that because he had management backing. If he didn't have management backing, one have never succeeded. Yeah, I think I think there are instances where you can convince and you can persuade and you can influence. But if it starts um, at the top, if you have great leadership that's going to get behind great products, you're going to see a huge, a, a, and I really, I really mean this, a huge amount of success or failure yeah. if the if the product sucks. But going back to your point, at least you tried. There's nobody right, trying yeah. right now, and it's so yeah. frustrating. It really is. Put me in charge of HP, and that will be an entirely different company two years from now. It will be another company a la Apple. It won't be Apple, but it will be a company that takes risks, that that puts the products out there that's different than everybody else's because this is the way we think it should be. But no, it's all about we got to make our quarterly results and we got to please Wall Street and... Oh, look, the stock took a hit, so we're just going to abandon this product real quick. And we're going to start, maybe we're going to get out of the PC business. Oh, no, no, we're not going to now. Well, we're going to cancel this yeah. project. and Oh, we're going to sell that. Yeah. Oh, we, you know, oh, it's oh, been gonna... out there for six weeks and it hasn't sold a billion copies. Okay, we're just going to pull out of that then. Just pathetic. It really is. But let's talk you about... Know, you know, yeah, the, you know what's pathetic, about, particularly about the touchpad, is that every time you think the thing's gone... <laughs> Yeah, then HP sells some more. Yeah, you're like, what? What are you doing? Stop it! Make a one or the other. Either not, you're not selling and supporting this product anymore, or you are. I get these emails because when I signed up for it, I I put fifty bucks in my account so I can buy some apps. Right? I think I've used five dollars yeah. of it, and I haven't turned the damn thing on in a month and a half. But I still get these emails 
about how great and there's new there's new programs coming out for it and I'm like what are, are you trying to convince somebody here are you trying to make me feel yeah. good that now obviously David we both know I didn't pay money for this but let's assume I did are you trying to make me feel better because I spent 400 bucks for this or even $99 if I got it when it was on the fire sale are you trying to make me feel better that I bought a product that ostensibly you already said is dead and you're not going to do anything with ever but you keep sending me these newsletters like HP's behind this and look how great these new products are these new programs are for your touchpad hey well, kiss they, they my ass off, they just offered a whole load to developers yeah what the through, through the developer program they're retarded it's it, <laughs> it, I thought you killed a product well we did yeah. well then why the hell are you trying to lure in new developers for people who bought this? Why would a developer want to come in and work on your 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 wishy washy bullshit management is destroying your company, and you're trying to convince people that no, come in and develop for it, even though publicly we're saying it's a dead product. Well, make up your goddamn mind. Yeah, it's retar- It's insulting, and it pisses me off. So um, let me get in a better mood by uh, taking a quick break and listening to one of the other fine podcasts in the stoplight network hey frank you've got an ipad right yeah i do kevin i do have an ipad yeah um what app is it that you use to uh, look at mris with well i haven't really looked at an mri on an ipad but why would i well it's on the commercial well yeah i mean it's on the commercial but there's also all kinds of other stuff on the commercial that i don't use my ipad for hmm You've just blown my mind. Well, and I think that's kind of the point, is that the commercials don't exactly tell you how you would use an iPad or why you would use an iPad. You know what would be awesome? If there was a podcast that could tell you exactly what you need this technology for. And how to use it, and how to use it to make your life better, or to make your job easier to do. Whoa, whoa, I've got a name for it. The Mac Specialist Podcast. Let, let's let's do one of those. Sweet. Last segment here on the Tech Fan Podcast. David, you know, there's a lot of different ways people can get a hold of us, but if they wanted to follow you on Twitter, how would they do that? They would look for at David B. Cohen. David B. Cohen. He is, he is being the Cohen as much as he possibly can, <laughs> is what you're saying. Uh, it's my middle initial. <laughs> Is it really? What's the B stand for? Or do you not Benj- want to... Re- Benjamin. Ben- Benjamin? Yeah. That's kind of... Well, mine is uh, E for Earl. Oh, and, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. Timothy E. Go. Robertson, Earl. I used to hate that growing up. I was like, ugh, Earl, what the hell? But it is what it is. It was the name of my grandfather, so... And then that show yep. came out, My Name is Earl. That didn't help. No, <laughs> I'm sure it didn't. You, you, I, I could... I was adopted, David. Now, my mom is my mom. That's She gave birth to me. But I didn't live with my mother until I was like five years old. She had a massive stroke two weeks after I was born. And um, the, the guy that she was originally married to um, kind of raised me for those five years. But they got a divorce. My mom got with somebody else and got married. And he adopted me as his own. Okay. So that's why my last name is Robertson. You want to know what my, my first middle, uh, first last name was? <laughs> it's the worst in the world. The list, the listeners are going to crack up. If if Tom, my dad, wouldn't have adopted me when I was five and gave me his last name, yeah, 
you'd be doing this podcast with, with Tim Pinky. <laughs> I've got news for you. I wouldn't be doing this podcast. <laughs> uh, just a little trivia for the uh, for the listeners out there. So, if you want to make fun of my uh, original last name, you can uh, leave us a voice message at one eight zero one nine three eight five 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 nine. That goes for everybody but Guy Searle. One eight zero one nine three eight five 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 nine, or simply feedback at mymac.com. So, David, let's talk a little bit before we wrap up the show here. Modern Warfare 3 came out, and yep. uh, from all intents and purposes, from what I've heard, it's a great game. I'm not really into the first-person, real-world shooter type thing. It's not really my... Yeah. Well, this is this was their... Uh, Activision says the biggest game they've ever released. Well, they, I mean, you hear that all the time. You heard that no, one... But, but this was... Yeah, well, it, this was bigger than all the others... Uh, yeah, I but Gears of War, that- when the original Gears of War came out two years into the Xbox 360, um, that company came out and said, we're pushing the 360 to its absolute limits. It's You're not going to get better games than this because we really are maxing out the 360. And that was like five years ago. Well, that's, yeah, that's... I, I, I mean, I, there seems to be some consensus now among people who follow these things that Really, um, there isn't much more that can be done with the 360 with this latest game. Um, I don't know how true that is, but but certainly the platform is starting to wage a little bit now. Um, obviously, Gears, uh, Modern Warfare 3 came out on more more than just the 360. It came out pretty much on everything. Yeah. But I mean, you know, what is this? Do you think this is the high point for the 360 in particular, and is it all downhill from here? I think that the high point was reached a couple of years ago, to be honest, and that the level of at least the AAA titles have held steady since then. Uh, I think Modern Warfare, or not Modern Warfare, what was the other, what's the other big one? Um, you know, I'm just going to open this drawer down here because my games are in here. Uh, because I'm drawing a blank, David. I really am. It's the one that you were playing for a while, too. I Halo. No, 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 no. Um, although I will talk about Halo for a second. I did get the anniversary edition of Halo. Uh, I'm judging for that. So and uh, you know what's really cool, David? You can hit the shift key. Uh, yeah. Call of Duty. Yeah. Call of Duty 4. I well, think. Modern Warfare is, is part of the same franchise. Right. But, juicy, but, yeah. but Call of Duty 4 came out, what, two years ago? Yeah. That, that it, it's just not going to get any better than this at this point. It's, uh-huh. I think it's peaked out. Um, and we'll we'll talk about where it's going to go from here, but let's talk about that Halo anniversary real quick. Um, for those who know what Halo is and have played it a long time ago and haven't touched it since, the original Halo was the game that originally designed for the Macintosh. Microsoft bought Bungie um, and made it develop Halo for their Skunk Works video game project that was original Xbox. And when you bought the Xbox, there wasn't a whole lot of games for it initially, but one of the launch titles was Halo. And the only reason people even purchased an Xbox at the beginning was just to get their hands on Halo because it was groundbreaking. It was it ushered in the the new first person shooter genre. Yeah. It took it to a whole different level. The story was amazing. The graphics were just at the time unbelievable. The music, I mean, the production value, everything was just unreal. And and I think it was one of the first kind of 
games of that type that had a real story and backstory to it, whereas, you know, previous shooters like Doom and Quake and stuff like that, though basically there was no story. It was just a scenario and there you go, whereas Halo was, was a kind of epic on scale. It was absolutely epic. So Bungie, uh, just a couple of, well, maybe a year and a half ago, broke away from Microsoft so they can start creating multi-platform games. And, uh, you know, they pretty much had their Halo swan song. Well, Microsoft owns Halo. Bungie doesn't. So for the 10th anniversary, they had the one of the Microsoft Game Studios, 343 Studios, go in, and they've been working on this for a couple of years now, David, go yeah. in, use the original engine for Halo, everything exactly the same except make it look like a modern game. And they absolutely yeah. pulled it off, dude. It's it's really it, it's breathtakingly beautiful. Yeah, I was say I really because I I tried to play the original Halo on PC and on Mac for about four or five times. I never got all the way to the end. Yeah. Uh, and despite the fact that I used to be the hardcore first person shooter guy on a PC, thinking well, there's no way I could ever play except with my WASD keys and a mouse. I've really been able to adapt to my Xbox 360 for that sort of game, and I would love to play the original Halo through. Um, so, so I really want the anniversary edition, and I hope that they go and, and they do the same for Halo 2, which, of course, only ever came out on the original Xbox. It wasn't available for the 360. I think you'll see it eventually, uh, probably in two years when it's the 10th anniversary of that game. Um, <laughs> and what's really neat, David, is gorgeous as it looks, if you hit the select key the select button on your controller, mm-hmm. the screen goes black for a second, comes back, and it's the original Halo graphics. So you could do, at any point in the game, a side-by-side comparison, a before yeah. and after. And you know that you know when you first crash on Halo and you're crossing that bridge and stuff, moving up yeah. into the hills? I kept switching back and forth, and it's, wow, it's just amazing. It yeah. really is. Um the game I'm looking forward to playing, though, honestly, it's a game that's been out for a couple weeks called Uncharted 3. Here, it's right here. It's still wrapped that, up because I haven't unwrapped it. <laughs> no, that's, that's PS3 exclusive. That's a PS3 it? exclusive, but yeah. I can't really get to it because my kids are playing uh, Harry Potter years 5 through 7 Lego. So right. I'm SOL until they're, well, either asleep or we're going to go long on this podcast a little bit here, David. Because yeah. I, I do want to talk about video games for a, a few more minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I want to have... There's one more subject that I wanted to talk about, too. Uh, remind me that I had one more subject, if you don't mind. Because okay. I'm going to forget. Um, but getting back to Modern Warfare 3. Um, yes, it's probably the pinnacle of what you can do on an Xbox 360. But I think that pinnacle has been reached for two years ago. And this is yeah. still part of that pinnacle. They're going to keep milking it because, hey, it's what else is there out there from Microsoft? Well, presumably there's a new console on the way. There is. Um, I, I mean, I've got to be honest. At this point, I'm thinking, well, how much better can it get? I mean, you can already do 1080 HD with an Xbox 360. So, um, you, I mean, you, you kind of wonder, are you at the point now where... You know, the Xbox 360s like DVD and uh, Blu-ray is, is going to be the next one, and it's going to be like, okay, well, it's going to be better, but it's not going to be the step change that VHS to DVD was, like Xbox to Xbox 360 was. Um, it will so you- be. Uh, when you look at 
both the PS3 and the 360 are ostensibly computers, David, right? Yeah. Right. So when these were released, they still weren't the top computers at the time. The desktop well, computers no. still right. So yeah, the three three sixty is effectively a, a very highly modified Mac. I mean, it's a power PC in there, right? With a whole load of custom chips on top, right? So but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it, it's it, like it, the it first is, generation. Tech, G- yeah, yeah. So can they be better? Absolutely. They could be an order of magnitude better. Will they be? I don't know. Um, you see, I, I can't help having this horrible, horrible feeling that what they'll do is they'll. You know, they'll they'll embed connect in the thing and they'll you know they'll do all the 3d stuff and everything and it'll be like well I don't think they know? will I think they're gonna go for more graphic horsepower power because they've already seen the Wii kind of has the the well what's the term I'm looking for the ooh wow isn't that cool let me check that out okay that was cool yeah. now let me get back to real video game thing the 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 a wow factor, but that doesn't last long, and it's it's terrible for gameplay for the most part. I think Microsoft is going, and, and the same is true of PS3. They're going to stay true to what the next iteration should be. Um, I think it's going to be killer graphics. There's going to be a couple, this is built in and this is built in, but it's not going to be the core of what the next system is. I think they're going to do it right. I really do. I, I hope so. I, I I do worry they're getting too distracted by Connect. I mean, you know, great as the technology is, but it just doesn't. You know, I've I've, I've heard uh, apparently that it it doesn't work well with people of a darker skin color. Yeah. Uh, I've I, I know for a fact that I can't use it because my Xbox is not my living room. It's in my office, yeah. and you need six foot space in front of it if you want to use a Connect. So I, you know, I I just. As nice as it is, I'd, I'm, I'll be happier if the Kinect stays an add-on and they concentrate on the core, like you say. I just have this horrible feeling that they will go more down that route. We'll find out. Yeah. Last thing I wanted to talk about, so I did remember, you don't have to remind me. Uh, I was listening to episode three of the Mac Specialist podcast, and the discussion was centered around uh, alternate ways to get content to view on your television. Yeah. Uh, one of them is very similar to me, um, and that was Frank, and he has, you know, uh, all the different channels. He's got an HD box, a DVR, you know, all that stuff. Whereas Kevin has cut the cord to the cable companies, and he gets his content via alternate methods, i.e. Netflix, iTunes, that sort of thing. Yeah. And it was a really good discussion, and I, I was really enjoying it. And I liked the idea of going more minimalist, like Kevin was doing. But I, I wasn't, and I'm not, quite ready to give up my cable television. Um, simply because there's a lot of content, and my kids and my wife watch it all the time. Yeah. Um, but I, I, the whole minimalist thing kept coming back to me. I, I really kind of like and respect that. So I was watching a football game two weeks ago. In the kitchen, where it's just the television. There's no surround sound system. There's no... It's just the TV. Yeah. And I was enjoying the game. <clears throat> then I moved out to the living room, and there it is in HD, and it, it sounds better, and the picture is much better, and all that. But I kept thinking, I don't watch movies, per se, in the living room anymore. 
in a theater type setting, i.e., turn out the lights, turn up the stereo, you know, oh, it looks yeah. awesome. And I'm looking at my equipment, and I've got these two huge paradigm speakers on each side of the television. I've got a center channel paradigm speakers. I've got two rear paradigm speakers. I've got an MTX 12 inch powered sub. Uh, I've got a cabinet that's just full of my Ankyo receiver, uh, THX, my uh, HDMI switcher, my component switcher. And I'm just looking at all this stuff. Not to mention the Xbox, the PS3, the Apple TVs, two of them, the first and the second. All this stuff. And it's just too much. Yeah. To, to switch, you have to turn the stereo on. You have to go to this channel. Then you have to switch the switch box and you have to go to a different input on the television and you know what david i'm just tired of it it's just too confusing it's just a bunch of crap and i thought you know what i want to do i want to go i don't want to compromise on anything but sound yeah so i got rid of everything david and started from scratch with my own equipment no -hmm. more surround sound no more switch boxes no more components as far as stereo stuff was concerned. I got rid of the amplifier. In fact, it's just the TV stand. So now I've got my flat screen TV on top. Underneath that is my cable box, which plugs into the TV via HDMI. On the same shelf next to that is the PS3, which is also HDMI, plugs directly into the TV. On the shelf below it is the two Apple TVs, one of them, the Apple One, is going component in. It's still HDMI, or it's still HD, yeah. but uh, that's going into a component. And then the Apple TV is plugged into another HDMI switch, uh, plug on the TV. And then the Xbox 360 is the older one, and that's going to component in. So I've got two components and three HDMI inputs going into the TV. That's it, David. Yeah. The sound's coming oh, from the TV, and that's, that's it. It's opened up my living room. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I've never gone into uh, the whole movie sound experience at home just because, you know, all that equipment and all that cabling and the sizing, the speakers. I I couldn't pull stuff out to clean anything, David. And if I made a change and the the cables from the old thing was kind of wrapped around, I just left them there. And I just pulled the component out. And I'm just, I'm I'm sick of it. It's just, it's a huge mess. I don't experience the sound that I should be getting because I never get to turn it up. Yeah. You know, my wife's like, oh, turn it down. That's too loud. Or the kids are asleep. Or I, I don't need all this just crap. It's just a distraction. It's too much stuff. And yeah. it's all up in my bedroom right now. I'm, 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 I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell the speakers. I'm going to sell the amplifier. It, it's like a $1,300 amplifier. And it's only a couple years old, David. But I'm going to sell it. I'm going to put all this stuff... Up on uh, Craigslist. Oh, by the way, if any listener is interested, let me know. Um, (laughs) Shipping will be expensive. I mean, these were $2,000 a piece front speakers, David. These paradigms cost me over $4,000 for the pair. That's not including the center channel or the rears or the powered sub, just for the front speakers. But that was, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. But I I got rid of all of that cabling, all of those boxes. Those, the, all that crap was generating so much heat in the living room that it was throwing off the damn thermostat. Yeah. so I can believe it. I, I, it's yeah. so much more minimalist. My wife's like, I don't know. I don't know if I like it because she's not used to it. It's, yeah. it's just this big-ass TV 
kind of floating there. And in fact, I'm even thinking about going so far now, David, is to build shelves on the wall, not touching the floor, on the wall for the components and hanging the TV off the wall. And then there will be nothing on the floor. Yeah, it's kind of makes space, you know, make the space. Why not? Yeah. Why do uh, I need love, all this space? Our, our TV is in the corner of the room, but um, it's right by a fireplace with a chimney breast. I'd love to get the TV on a stand up on the chimney breast. I, I'll, I'll tell you, you what know. I'll do, David. I'll take, I'll send you a picture of what it was like before, if I could find a good picture. And then I'll send you a picture of what it's like now. Yeah. And the only thing I, and I'm missing is the crystal clear audio that I was getting through the audio system before. But you know yeah. what? I'm not missing any content. I'm not enjoying a movie any less. I'm not enjoying a, a video game any less because I can't hear, you know, a pin drop on the set when they were recording the show. That's I mean, right. Yeah. I, I don't need it. I'm not enjoying no. it any less. No. And, that, you know, I mean, in terms of you mentioned about cord cutting, we went through a thing a few years ago. We had um, cables never really been that big in the state in, in the U.K., um, and we did have cable for a while, and then we switched to Sky Satellite, which is the big, it's the big provider here because not everyone has cable, but everyone can get Sky. Right. And so Sky is the predominant, which is a satellite system. It's the predominant way people get movies and sports and everything like that in here in the UK. And we had it, we had it for a long while, um, and we had a storm, and the dish got blown out of alignment on the, it's on our chimney at home, so we we had no picture. So I call up Sky, and because uh, the, the deal with Sky is when you sign up, they put the dish up for you. So I call them up and said, well, we, we can't see anything now. And they said, oh, well, you've, you've had it for more than a year, so you're effectively out of contract. So you'll have to pay for somebody to come out and fix it. So I said, okay, let me just clarify something for you. I said, the £45 a month you get from me at the moment, if I don't see no picture, you're not getting that anymore. <laughs> right? So either you come up and fix the dish... Or no more sky. All right, okay, well, see what you mean. Yeah, we'll get somebody out to fix the dish. Anyway, the guy they sent wasn't the right guy because the dish is not at the front of the house. It's on the chimney. It's too high up. The guy they sent was just basically a bloke with a stepladder. Right. He, there was no way he... Yeah. Yeah, there was, there's no way he says, I can't go up there. I'm not licensed to go up there. So I called Sky back and I said, you sent the wrong guy. I told you the dish was on the chimney. Um, cancel it. So we cancelled it. We ripped out all the equipment. Uh, and I got a, a digital freeview box, so it's digital over-the-air TV, which has a DVR built into it. Um, and we've been on that for the last four or five years. I haven't looked now, back. Not well, not really. Every now and again, you know, there are some channels we can't get through over the air. We can't get some of the kids' stuff, like Playhouse Disney and things like that. The movies we get through the Apple TV, so we don't miss those. Um, sports, the, the sports I'm into, I can get over terrestrial TV. I'm not too bothered about the Premier League football. And, you know, if there is a match that I want to go and see, I can go down the pub and, and watch it there because sure. all the pubs have it, you know, and I can have a drink while I'm doing it. So I, I really haven't, I really don't miss it at all. And I've saved, God, I mean, I've saved literally probably two, three thousand pounds in the last four years yeah, from not least. having Sky. Absolutely. Because, you know, 45 pounds a month, it really adds up. Now, what I did isn't saving me any money um, on any bill yet, but eventually I think I'll get there. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to ask you a question. Yep. Why, have you, why do you still use the first-gen Apple TV? Why do you not? Well, what happened was uh, my wife told me it stopped working. Right. So I came home, tested it. Yeah, it stopped working. So the new one's only $99, and honestly, I, I get like 10 bucks off of that. Yeah. 
So I said, well, we'll just buy a new one. So I got the new one, plugged it in, started deking around with the old one, and it started working. Uh, turns out it wasn't plugged in all the way. Right. And so I thought, well, they're both working. I guess I'll just leave them both here. Uh, some of the movies that I had ripped from DVD back in the day um, plays a little stuttery on the new one, but it plays right. silky smooth on the old one. So I'm like, well, it doesn't cost me anything to keep the old one. I mean, it's already yeah. paid for. So I just have two of them now. If you re-rip those movies... To, yeah, and that's, um, that's to, I know, but... Uh, yeah. To yeah, like iPad format, then they work fine on the new one. I know, and but fact, we're talking like over 100 movies, David, and yeah, I just right. don't have... It's like, you know what, we, I, it, they're already ripped. They work fine on the old Apple TV, and until that thing actually does stop working, then I'll consider it. But until which, then... Which you will do, because they run so hot, those things. Well, but it's been sitting there since it was brand new, and we've never had a yeah. problem. The only problem we had was that... It, it got a little unplugged at one point, which yeah, I didn't I'm, check because nobody ever gets behind there but me. But I yeah. think what happened was I was pulling another cord and it jiggled it. Yeah. Yeah. What what I have found interesting, because I switched to Apple TV 2s at home, principally because I wanted the AirPlay feature, um, which you can't get on the original one. Um, and we, we, you know, we if you want to watch uh, BBC iPlayer, like the catch-up service for the BBC from the internet, um, you can't get that on the Apple TV uh, on on either devices, but you can get an app on the iPad that will then use AirPlay. So right. I did AirPlay for that. Um, so we switched to the, and we also, you know, we we were having some heating problems in one room with the with the old Apple TV. So um, obviously the new one's much smaller and runs cooler. So that that kind of works. What I found interesting is reselling those boxes, the original ones, because so many people like to buy them and then jailbreak um, them jailbreak them and put um you know boxy and stuff like that on there's a real market for those things and uh they sell very nicely on ebay i i, I jailbroke mine a couple times and it just to me it really wasn't worth it yeah yeah most of my content's in itunes anyway so yeah and Can't, then and I, then I, once they brought the new apple tv with uh netflix but i already got netflix on the 360 i've got it on the ps3 yeah yeah you know be interesting because netflix is is launching in the uk next year so be interesting to see how that works over here because that 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 is something that i might have a look at yeah you'll like it it's it's a great service so david we're going to wrap up uh, a little bit of an extra long episode of tech fan uh i really enjoyed it this week though i uh it was good yeah you know we got a little heated there for a little bit (laughs) that's always good though definitely We, we were supposed to have someone else join us this week it didn't happen um but, you know, next week, uh, same time, same place, uh, if you're good for that. Should be, unless I get shipped off to Africa again, and that, that seems to be happening at the drop of a hat in the moment. But, uh, Ooh, but yeah, it should be all right. wait a minute. No, we're gonna, I'm going to have a problem. Yeah, that's going to be a problem here, David. I'm not going to be able to do it the same time next week, because that's going to be Black Friday. And there's no way I'm going to be able to convince my wife to take all the kids and leave <laughs> and go somewhere on Black Friday. You need to give her a, give her some instructions. You say, give her a list of equipment you want her to go and buy, and then just have her have a go out. If you've got four kids, you can have them each queue up at a different store for for offers. You could replace all that equipment in your living room. You get a new TV, new DVD player. I will send you her email address, and then you, if you could convince her of that, I will rename it. Tech, this show will become Tech David. If you could convince her of that. Because <laughs> you will be the man at that point, I tell you. 
So maybe maybe a little bit earlier in the week might be. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll we'll talk about it so, offline. Think yeah. something else. So listen for Tech Fan a little earlier next week. And for the Americans out there listening, happy Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll see you next week.